Hey, I'm Brandon from Promises Cap Collective. This is the Hey How's It Going Show, and I have the pleasure of speaking with Eric Matson from the bands Good Luck Ugly and Makeshift 3. Eric has a pretty extensive career as a drummer, playing in two bands that have released six full-length albums, two EPs, alongside with multiple national tours and record deals. Hey, Eric, how's it going? Hey, Brandon. Going pretty good, thanks. Fantastic. So, so you're in two bands. Now, uh, why, why don't you tell me a little bit uh, about how you learned how to play drums uh, and growing up and all that sort of stuff. Sure, yeah. Actually, I grew up uh, in San Diego. Um, I learned how to play drums probably from a few different people, um, one being a, a guy named Mike McNamara that I went to high school with. Um, he played in the band 1208, which is on Epitaph Records. Um, Actually, their singer, Alex Flynn, is the nephew of uh, the Black Flag uh, founder, Greg Ginn. But anyway, Mike would take drum lessons, and I'd go over to his house after a lesson, and he'd pretty much just teach me what he uh, learned after that particular lesson. Um, another guy I went to high school with was Justice Gomatico from the uh, band Bloodshed, which was on Tooth & Nail Records. Um, he taught me a few things, and then lastly... Um, probably all of 95, 96, I'd go to every Dogwood show and film their uh, drummer, Russ Castillo, take the tape back, now we're talking VHS here, and uh, pop it in the VCR, and I'd try to play along to all their songs. So um, between the three of them, I'd say those were the three big influences um, on learning drums. Really? It was Dogwood. So Dogwood, they're kind of a, they were a Christian punk band, um, like in the mid-90s to like 2005 or so, and um, they were definitely one of the big influential punk bands um, ever since Christian punk kind of started back with MXPX and Slick Shoes and all that, so. Okay, cool. Nice. They uh, So they're one of your influences for sure, right? Oh yeah, yeah, big time. Nice. Yep. Alrighty, cool. Um, so your first band was called uh, Makeshift Three. Tell me a little bit about the first album you guys put out. Oh yeah. Um, shoot, I think I have one here. So I got um, our first album. We released in 1996, um, full length. We went down to uh, Ninth Ring Studios and worked with Andy Tolley. Um, at the time, we were just a secular band. Actually, the band name was just Makeshift at the time. Um, we hadn't added the three yet. And uh, it was just myself, two high school buddies, um, and uh, just learning how to record. We actually recorded live all the instruments at the same time and then did the vocals separate. And this is back on, you know, the two-inch analog tape. So... Definitely an old school type of sound, kind of like the Black Flag, Dead Kennedys, Vandals. Um, at the time, Swindle in uh, San Diego was was a big influence. So definitely of the four albums we did, it it had an old school sound. So definitely pretty unique. Awesome. That's awesome. That's uh, that's fantastic. Um, what uh, what made you want to start that band with your friends there? Yeah, actually, so in high school, um, a couple buddies, they played guitar and bass, and they were looking for a drummer, and I thought, shoot, that sounds fun. I'll go buy a drum set and kind of figure out how to play. So we ended up practicing at my house. This was in 95, 
and uh, basically we liked the similar uh, type of music. We kind of liked that pop punk kind of punk style, and it was easy to play, easy to learn. Um, you know, Green Day was getting big at the time, Link One A Two, so it was overall just for fun, and it was just you know fun hanging out and learning how to play an instrument and to work together to you know write songs. Awesome. That's uh, that's great that you had that outlet there. Now, uh, Makeshift 3 went on to release an EP called Mission Impossible, following a second-length full album called Fuel for Life. Can you tell me a little bit more about that experience? Yeah, after that first uh, album we released in 96, that actually caught the attention of a guy named Al Contreras um, from Pius Records out of Encinitas. And um, he wanted to work with us... Uh, Actually, I have it right here. So we did an EP, actually released it on cassette. That's fantastic. Was, yeah, pretty popular back in the 90s. Um, so he um, he gave us a budget. He sent us down to um, Double Time Studios where we worked with Jeff Forrest, who at the time had uh, worked with Blink-182 on one of their albums. And... Um, so we released that EP, Mission Possible, and um, Al from the record label eventually wanted to release a full-length album with us, and that's where we did um, this Fuel for Life album. We released this in 1999. Um, we ended up working with um, a manager. Her name was Carrie Fairfield. She had some experience working with Brandon Ebel from Tooth & Nail Records, and so when she went to register the band, um, makeshift was already taken. So similar to Blink-182, she went and she asked us, hey, what do you guys want to do to modify the band name makeshift is taken? So we added the number three. Um, <laughs> there, yeah, there were three of us. You know, there's the Trinity. We were kind of transitioning into a Christian kind of punk band at the time. Um, so she was helpful in legalize, uh, legalizing our band name. And, um, yeah, so we released that in 99 and um, started playing shows uh, with Dogwood, Slick Shoes. And um, we ended up working with uh, a photographer, Jimmy Fontaine, who actually went on to, he works in New York now, so he's, he's taken photos of bands like Korn and Ed Sheeran, uh, 21 Pilots, Good Charlotte. So he's done a lot of... Uh, Work. So we were fortunate enough to take photos with him back in the 90s. And uh, um, that was back when MP3 started coming out. So we released the album not only on CD, but on MP3.com. And a lot of the songs were hitting the number one um, charts, like in the different punk genres, like pop punk, skate punk, melodic punk. Um, and uh, we started kind of getting some attention from different record labels um, like Screaming Giant, Betty Rocket Records. And um, at the time, the goal was to try to get signed to a label that had uh, national distribution. And um, so, yeah, so that was kind of the story behind that album. That's awesome. So you really got to you got to play with like your your influence there. Uh, what do you call it? Lakewood? Uh, yeah, we yeah Dogwoods. Dogwood. Shoot. Yeah. That's awesome. What was it like playing with your uh, your influences? I mean, it was great because 
you know, when you start playing with bands, there's a lot of downtime before and after shows. So that's the time to kind of socialize, get to know the guys, kind of network a little bit, work together um, and uh, just stay connected. So it's good to, yeah, just stay connected and network with these bands just so you can um, end up playing shows together, possibly tour together in the future. So definitely helpful. Cool. I just checked the stream out real quick, and we have uh, we had two people watching there for a second, so we're getting something. Um, but uh, fantastic. So, oh, lost my stop for a second. Lost uh, during the during the height of the popcorn scene. Makes it make makeshift three received their third album called. Wow, I just messed that up hardcore. I'm sorry. During the height of the pop-punk scene, Makeshift 3 released the third album called Game Day, which perfectly fit the genre. How did you guys land a record deal for that album? Yeah, so back in about 2000, um, we were, I remember one show we got flown out to Washington to play at a big skate demo out there. Um, we started touring a little bit and we, we caught the attention of a guy named Dave Lula who worked for Micah records, um, out of LA. And, uh, he wanted to, uh, come to one of our shows and he was interested in signing us. Uh, the good thing about Micah records was they had, they did have a Diamani distribution. Um, so we were able to get, um, you know, that particular album in all the Christian bookstores across the country. Um, and one of the best things about that record deal was they hired Grammy award-winning engineer, uh, Dusk Bennett out of LA to record and engineer the album. Um, and we started touring with a tooth and nail band called off the record, um, who was kind of similar to us, kind of a pop punk with a little edgier metal sound. And, um, just started playing shows with bands like uh, Project 86 from Orange County. Uh, my cousin Nate Gerald um, played in a band called Born Blind, which is also from Tooth and Nail Records, uh, Face Down Records. So <clears throat> I think just the amount of shows we were playing, they really liked that Fuel for Life album. And, um, and, just the fact that we were playing shows with a lot of tooth and nail record bands that were kind of our peers, like uh, Hangnail, uh, Pax 217, um, who else? Too Bad Eugene. And um, we started advertising with uh, Doug Van Pelt in HM Magazine. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so that that third album deal we did was actually super helpful and kind of put us on a national level. Really? That's fantastic. Now, I notice you uh, keep referring to Makeshift 3 as a Christian band. Um, and I, uh, I did hear Irish Sky the other day, and we'll get in the meaning of that song in a, just a minute. But, you know, uh, I didn't I didn't get like Christian band vibe from that song. So, like, what is it that makes you guys a Christian band? Yeah, um, so I think it ha the lyrics have to have some Christian content to it. Um, obviously, no profanity. Everything's clean. Um, basically, you know, kids and parents are going to be, you know, happy with it. There's not going to be any profanity in it. Everything is clean. Um, and different Christian bands have different degrees of Christian content in it. Um, we had songs called like Church Boy, King of Kings. Um, Darkest Night of the Soul. So there were songs that were pretty, um, 
pretty specifically uh, Christian, but a lot of it was subtle too. So we kind of we kind of were in the middle in regards to uh, Christian content, but we definitely kept it clean and um, very family friendly. Okay, cool. I I just wasn't sure what it really meant to be a Christian band, I guess. So that's awesome. So you just kind of keep it radio friendly and family friendly and stuff like that. Um, right. I always thought it was like your Christian music is like got to be like talking about Jesus and all that sort of stuff, but I didn't realize that there were Christian bands out there that you know just kind of made regular music. Oh yeah, for sure. So like POD is a big one that's gone pretty mainstream. Skillet, um, Creed at at the time was pretty big. So they, um, so yeah, there's actually a lot of them that have gone mainstream. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's definitely a good industry to be in. Cool. Nice. Alrighty. Um, back to the little format guy got going over here. I noticed uh, Matrix Three has been in various compilations. Could you tell me uh, some of them? Uh, sure. Yeah. So let me see. I actually have a couple here. Um, so one compilation we got on was with New School Records. Um, this one was pretty amazing. Uh, Jeremy Ball. Um, the CEO of New School Records that we eventually signed with on our fourth album, he was able to get bands like uh, Strung Out, Thrice, uh, let's see, No Effects, Yellow Cards, Slick Shoes, obviously Makeshift 3, um, Good Riddance, Mustard Plug. So this compilation was actually one of our better ones just because it had a lot of big name bands on it. Um, Another one we ended up getting on was uh, Doug Van Pelt, who owned Hard Music Magazine. Um, very well known for advertising a lot of the Christian uh, bands at the time. And uh, so he had a sampler that we were able to get on, which had Reliant K on it. Among really? Others. Yeah. Um, obviously, Reliant K is doing very well to this day. So that was kind of fun to look back on. Um, another one we did was... Um, Brandon Jones from Indie Vision Music out here in Southern California. Um, we were on tour in time at the time, uh, I think in Oregon, and he reached out to us and said, hey, I'm, uh, I'm compiling a list of songs for a tooth and nail compilation. You know, do you guys want to be on it? And I told the guys, hey, this is an awesome opportunity. Um, you know, we like Brandon Jones. We like what Indie Vision Music is doing. So we jumped on this compilation, and it's got awesome bands like Amberlin is on here. Really? Uh, yeah. So um, compilations at the time um, were pretty popular to get on, um, and it was good exposure, and it was just a good kind of mix of bands where you could, and they were usually pretty cheap, maybe two to three bucks, you know, sometimes five bucks. Um, compared to now, you go on Spotify or iTunes, you know, you type in Blink-182 and then you'll see similar artists. So the compilation scene was pretty big back in the 90s, early 2000s. So we tried to get on as many as we could. Um, another one I found was um, Fast Music uh, Records put out one called Disarming Violence. Obviously, Makeshift Three's on here. Uh, no Effects. Um, who else is on here? The Story So Far. What? Uh, what song? Yeah. What uh, song? Story so far, it says in oh, spite of. The, in spite of this one came out like in two thousand, and then newfound glory, second to last. Anyway, there's twenty five bands on here, so um, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Lastly, here's another one I found. This one, uh, 
from Lone Star Records, you know, obviously Makeshift 3, and this one had Thursday on it. So it was always fun to get on compilations with bands we looked up to and that were influences for us. So, yeah, we loved compilations, and we kind of miss them. Yeah, I um, I used to put out compilations. I technically still do for Promises Cap Collective, but I put out four compilations with a little company I used to do called BNN Music. Um, oh, awesome. That was in, like, 20... 2013 to 2014 and then okay. from 20 uh from, i put out recently I, in 2018 i put out three compilations um just like small 10 song compilations 12 songs something like that you know but they all have yeah. a theme they all have a theme to them uh the first one was called won't be depressed forever and that that's basically all about you know not being depressed uh anymore trying to get over it um deals you know with things of song it's got songs in it deal with things like depression in general uh trying to overcome it um loss losing friends different things like that and uh it's a 10 song compilation then um i put i did another one called war cry which is straight up about overcoming depression moving on uh it's got themes of uh just uh battle cries stuff like that songs like that and uh it's pretty neat but um yeah I've, i like i like compilations i always think they're cool i want to i want to put out another one that's going to be themed but oh, uh, for sure. yeah but uh for now it's working on the show but yeah that's really cool i didn't know that you you've been on compilation with newfound glory um yeah yeah we love them yeah at first at first you said the story so far and i thought you meant like the band but you meant the song no the band the story so far Oh, what song did they put out? Uh, They were on, let's see, the story so far, the song was called In Spite Of. And again, this was released back in, this one looks like 2000. So, 20 years old. The story so far, it must have been a different story so far, because they weren't the current band. Oh, you know what? Yeah, it could have been. Because I know that Newfound Glory has a song called The Story So Far. Yeah. Huh. Maybe it is a different story so far, band. But I know the one they uh, I know the one that's around today. They came around in like twenty eleven, so Okay. But yeah, so uh moving on to the next question, I guess. Um so your fourth album with uh Makeshift three, uh it was released through New School Records in two thousand five. Now now what was the process of recording that album? Okay, so yeah, that one, okay, so, you know, we released the Game Day album in uh, 01, and that caught the attention of uh, Jeremy Ball up in Oregon, you know, the CEO of New School Records, and um, the band we were touring with quite a bit, um, which was off the record from Tooth & Nail Records, they had already signed to do their second and third album with New School, and we were good friends with them, and so we hit them up and said, you know, hey, Jeremy's contacted us, you know, obviously you guys have signed with them, you know, how do you guys like it? And they loved it. They loved the distribution. They loved how active um, the label was with the Vans Warp Tour and a lot of big festivals on the West Coast. So um, we told Jeremy, hey, we're in. Um, and uh, yeah, we, we went back into the studio. We worked again with uh, Dusk Bennett. And I actually ended up hiring... Um, a guy named Dan Artis, also known as Drum and Dan. Um, he was actually on one of those MTV duet episodes with Travis Barker. 
anyway, I hired him to do the drum teching on the album and uh, uh, dance from you know the band's anthem and Midnight Hour. And um, definitely a good experience. We ended up releasing it in 05. And I think of the four albums, that one, it, it's, it's kind of like half pop punk, half metal. Hmm. Whereas obviously the first one was that old school sound. The second one was flat out pop punk. And then the game day album kind of made a little transition with hints of metal. And by the time we released um, this fluorescent black album, we were we incorporated a lot of screaming into the vocals and um, and but still kind of held true to our roots with the pop punk. So it's definitely a you know there was one guy he he called it schizophrenic. Um, <laughs> people kind of had a heart. People kind of were confused a little bit about the pop punk into the metal. Um, and at the time, I mean, thrice was you know they kind of had an Iron Maiden sound with a little bit of pop punk. But at the time, we, we thought we were trying something new, and it definitely was risky because you go from super happy poppy to this like dark Pantera type of metal with you know brutal screaming. And so it was a little bit risky, but it was super fun to do, super fun to play at shows. Um, and uh, so yeah, overall just a, just a fun experience with that album. That's awesome. Yeah, I experiment with writing. Um, I write some music. I'll have to send you one of my songs. The only thing about it is it's it's basically like pop, pop punk. And I recently wrote a song that it's inspired by a metal song. It's a song inspired by a song by Woe Is Me. Uh, but it's in no way, shape, or form metal. It's just kind of okay. got some more. It's kind of got small tones of it, like with the guitars, basically just like the like the the melodies. But yeah. um, it's it's more pop punk than metal at all. Um, but yeah, I'll have to send it to you. See what you think. I write. Uh, I write in. Um, it's not recorded technically. It's all MIDI sounds, simulated music. Uh, the software I use actually like puts out the music. It's tablature software, and you write the music. You can write drums, guitar, any any instrument you can think of. But yeah. uh, in in and it's you know meant for uh, helping you record music, but the plugins they use just don't sound like exactly like real guitars and stuff. So I don't know uh, if you can get past that and actually see the theory of the music I write. I think it's, I love it. I love it, but uh, I would love to record it. So it's actually like real instruments one day. Yeah. What, what was interesting about recording these last two albums was that's when pro tools, you know, the Apple software started taking off. And it was interesting to kind of see everything recorded up on a screen, you know, in the wave format. You could punch in, punch out, edit, copy and paste different things. So that whole format was pretty interesting. A um, couple other things that, that happened during that recording process. We were able to um, land a show on the uh, Vans Warp Tour. Really? And, uh, yeah. And then a couple songs from that Fuel for Life album ended up getting picked up by some TV, some Warner Brothers TV shows. Um, and at the time, we ended up playing with like Supertones. And uh, so anyway, yeah, that was just a that was just a good time. Kind of the end of the height of the pop punk era. Um, it was funny because a couple years ago, Jeff, the guitarist for Makeshift 3, he sent me a... Uh, video to chunk no captain chunk 
Mm. And I had never heard of them before, but when I started listening to their albums, I was like, wow, that's pretty much exactly what I had envisioned of pop punk meeting metal because you know they they do it to the t i mean they incorporate the double bass pedal back in the 90s the double bass pedal really wasn't that popular um but with you know the early 2000 the the august burns red as they lay dying um the the double bass pedal started to take off and so it's funny how i listen to chunk no captain chunk and i'm like wow that artistically is impressive and pretty much exactly what i envisioned so i kind of you know my hat off to them yeah i believe their genre is called easy core i could be okay. wrong but i think that's what their genre is called where they take the two genres and mix them together i think they yeah. call themselves easy core and they have a song do you remember the defend pop punk group on facebook yes see i got banned from that group i'm so mad um but that's another story for another time but uh there was a big meme in that group back in like 2014 where like chunk no captain chunk released a song i think what's it i can't remember what it's what it's called but they started the song off with the turn uh the words hey dudes are you ready to and somebody like took a clip of that and it just became this huge meme in that group everybody was just like hey dudes are you ready to yeah <laughs> Hey dudes, are you ready to? Then it would go on to like say something else, but like the just the meme was just "Hey dudes, are you ready to?" and like surfs up and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It was crazy. Um, but yeah, that's my little story about the Defend Pop Bunk Group and Chunk. But uh, so getting onto the meaning I kind of mentioned earlier was talking about Irish Sky. How you showed me that song, I was listening to a great song by the way. But what's the? Uh, I didn't really uh. I, was, I didn't really know what the meaning was behind it, so like I was wondering if you could explain that a little bit. Yeah, so Irish Sky, that was kind of, I guess, the single, the first single off that album. Um, it's actually about one of my best friends in college that ended up passing away. Um, he, you know, he, he had an Irish background. We wanted to do something that was kind of a tribute to his memory. Um, and... Uh, I mean, to this day, we, I still hang out with his family and we're, we're super close. I mean, this was almost 20 years ago, but um, it was definitely just an opportunity to um, artistically, musically show his family that, you know, we care, we, we share their loss. And um, it's basically just a, a in-memory song for, for someone that eventually became friends with all the members in the band. I'm sorry for your loss, but that's uh, very nice that you did that for your friend and his family. Yeah. Yeah, yeah thank you. So it's definitely got some meaning to you. I understand now. Right. Okay. Um. All right, well, uh, it's pretty much covers anything uh, about Makeshift 3, unless there's something else you want to add. Um. Yeah, Makeshift 3, I mean, we, we ended up, we stopped playing in about 07. I think, you know, we all got careers. We all got married, had kids. Um, the pop punk scene was kind of dying a little bit. Um, you know, bands like Blink-182, our peers, Dogwood Slick Shoes, they kind of, they they stopped releasing albums in 03. Blink-182 went on hiatus and there was kind of an emo takeover. So um, that's kind of when Makeshift 3 slowed down a bit. 
and um, we all took a break, did our own thing, and eventually I would go on to um, become active with the band I'm in now. Okay. Which would be good luck, right? And we'll get into that in a few minutes. But before right. that, to mix it up a little bit, I've got some, uh, I got some interesting, fun questions to ask you. Um, okay. So uh, we'll move on to that. Now, uh, have you ever had the falling dream? Do you know what I mean by that? I've never heard that phrase. The fallen dream? Nope. Like when you're like dreaming, and then like all of a sudden you just kind of like start falling down a set of stairs or something like that, or you fall from a roof, and you hit the oh. ground in the dream, and then you jump in real life, like you wake up like in a jolt. Yeah, I mean, I've had a dream where I'm falling, and for some reason I have these. Yeah, I've had dreams where I'm falling, and then I hit the ground, and then I and then I look around, and I'm still alive. It's totally weird, but kind of fun in a way. But uh, I don't think I've ever woken up like in bed with my arms up. But oh no, you don't. No, you jump. Like when you hit uh, the ground, like as you hit the ground in the dream, like as you would die if you normally hit the ground like that in the dream, you immediately jolt awake and jump like a foot out of bed. It's terrifying. Never had that. No, haven't had that yet. Yeah, look, look up videos of people having the falling dream. And, okay. like, it, it's happened to me so many times in my life. It's becomes, like, like it's a recurring dream. It's a type of recurring dream you have. Or, like, just yeah. out of nowhere, like, in your dream, you'll just start falling in some way, shape, or form. Like, for me, it's usually falling down a set of stairs. But it's yeah. always the same set of stairs. When I lived in my old house, it was that set of stairs I lived there. But then I moved to my new house in Coventry, Rhode Island, and it was always that set of stairs. And no matter where I lived, it would be a set of stairs that I lived at. But I'd always, like, fall down the set of stairs some kind of same way. And then, like, when I hit the ground, I would wake up and jolt. Like, you jump, like, out of bed. Like, it's intense. It's, it's a very scary. Your heart's racing, and, you know, it's scary. Uh, maybe I'm missing out on something here. So we'll see what happens tonight. Yeah, man, you got to have the falling dream at least once. Come on. <laughs> You're doing life wrong. <laughs> um, but yeah, look it up. Like, there's some pretty funny videos out there of people, like, jumping out of bed and, like, doing handstands and such. Like, I watched them the other day with this kid, like, um, it was a, it was a meme, but, like, they showed a video of, like, uh, a, a guy in Grand Theft Auto, like, jumping off a roof and, like, falling okay. off of a building and hitting a car. <laughs> and then it jumps, and then the, like, yeah, it jumps from the video game to, like, a dude sleeping on a couch and he just like jumps up and like does a handstand and, like just falls on his head and stuff it is is a funny video but uh you know for people who have had that dream it was funny um Crazy. Okay. but yeah that's know. that's the falling dream so google that a bit uh as do. on the there's a lot of weird things with dreams like there's uh there's this website called have you seen this man.com i think and basically it's this website be uh dedicated to this one drawing of a man like a police sketch artist a drawing of a man um and it's like basically this collective of people who claim they've seen this man in their dreams mm. uh so that's check out um have you seen this man.com or just google have you seen this man and you'll see okay. what i'm talking about and like it's just this massive collective of people who've seen they, they claim they've seen this one guy in their dreams and like there's a bunch of drawings of the guy and they're like 
Yeah, that's a there's a lot of th- odd things like related to dreaming, like recurring dreams and stuff like that. Like, have you ever had a recurring dream? Recurring dream. Okay, define that. So just basically, like you have one dream, and then like maybe a night later, a couple months later, or even years later, you'll have the same exact dream, almost the exact same way it happened, or maybe it follows the same topics, like a recurring yeah. idea. Um, I, I've had some similar, like snowboarding type dreams where, you know, I'm going off jumps and doing the same trick. And then a couple weeks later, I'm in the same place doing the same trick. So I used to snowboard a lot. So maybe that, that would probably fall under that. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I had another question I was going to ask you is one more thing about dreaming that I didn't have written down. Um, if I think of it, I'll ask it. We'll move on from there. So, uh, when putting on a shirt, which arm do you put in first? Oh man, let's see. Let's see. Put this on. Probably the right. I'm gonna <laughs> guess. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, think the same. I, yeah. I think with me, it's the left. I don't know. I saw that question online yesterday when I was like trying to make new question lists, because yeah. like I I can barely think of questions. Like out of like most of my questions, I get from like depositories and stuff online but i think of some of them it's not all it's not all stolen content but i found that one and i was like that's something i've never heard of in my life i would never be able to think of that question that is as perfect i'm taking that question well what's funny is i had to think about it and i still could be wrong so after yeah that, you're gonna have to go find out which arm goes first Take your shirt off wait like five ten minutes until you forgot why you don't have a shirt on put it on and then try to remember there you go. Yeah. yeah. That's like something you'd never think about. Like, you just put a shirt on. You don't really think about doing it. No, not at all. That's that's why I like the question. Um, But, yeah. So, have you ever forced uh, forged a parent's signature, like, like in school or whatever, when you were uh, – and if so, what's the story behind it? Yeah, I – I was one of those kids in school that, you know, was the perfect attendance. I never, you know, called in sick or ditched class or anything. So no, never. Or what else do they need the signatures for? Like field trips, you know, no, never did that. Can't say that I have. All right. Well, that's good. Can't complain about that. Fantastic. It just, uh, I found some, another question I found. I was like, that's kind of interesting. That could bring up a good story, but, um, you were a good boy, so. <laughs> um, yeah, moving on. If uh, if you had the world's attention for 30 seconds, what would you say? Oh, man. Um, shoot, that's a good one. I would probably... Huh. I would probably mention something about something that I've been studying recently, I've been studying a lot of like, uh, the natural law, philosophy, theology, metaphysics. I'd probably just ask a question to the world saying, how come we're not applying the natural law to everything we do, including our laws, our rules, policies, and so forth. Now that assumes that everyone knows the definition of the natural law and how you apply it to moral principles. But I'd probably phrase a question, something like that, and just kind of let the world ponder it, and hopefully they'll do a little research and apply it to their lives. 
Now, what is the natural law? So the natural law coming from a Christian background, that's basically the structure that God set up, you know, on earth, um, you know, in which things function. So, for example, the nature of gravity is to generally pull things toward the center of the earth. So if I go on the edge of a building and I think I'm a bird and I jump off and think I'm going to fly, sorry, the natural law takes over and it's going to do what it needs to do. Um, another example, it's basically the nature of a thing. So, you know, the nature of a pen is to write with. It's not to clean your ears with. Um, what's another one? Um, you know, the nature of the nose is to smell. It's not to taste with. So, there's a lot of depth behind it that goes into applying it to morality. Um, so yeah, I, yeah, that's probably, that's a good kind of summary. Okay. So it's kind of along the backgrounds of kind of like having a, maybe sort of a, like a common sense kind of aspect. Yeah. It's basically understanding the nature of a thing and how to apply it in real life situations. So, you know, you have the natural law, you have divine positive law, um, and then you have the civil law, which is obviously, you know, what our government does. Okay. Interesting. Cool. Um, that's pretty much I had for that bit of the fun questions. There'll be more later, but uh, let's get into a bit of a Good Luck Ugly, your current band, right? Okay. All right. So... Where did you guys come up with that name? And I'm pretty sure I asked this before to um, your buddy Mike. Uh, but I'll have you oh, tell yeah. us again for the people who haven't seen that video. Yeah, Good Luck Ugly. I mean, I, I remember when I first heard that, I, I thought, is that even a bad band name? Or what does that mean? You know. Uh, so I asked Mike. He says that he um, he was called something similar to that his whole life growing up. Um, I don't know exactly what else it was that he was called, but he wanted to turn um, the band name um, to kind of empower the underdog. Uh, he says he's always kind of felt like a nerd and he had some rough times as a kid, so the name kind of stuck and made sense. Um, he kind of asked himself, you know, how do I turn a uh, negative into a positive? Um, so basically he wanted to take something he may have heard as a kid and put kind of a spin on it and basically say, Hey, you know what? I'm going to be happy, um, and have a good life regardless of your opinion. Um, or he just says it's a stupid name he came up with, but yeah, kind of a funny name. That's kind of, yeah, that's, I remember him saying that now in the other interview about what, two years, was that last year? I think 2019. Uh, yeah, 2018, I think, a couple years ago, yeah. Wow, it was two years ago? Yeah. Wow. Um, anyways, yeah, I remember that. I did. I kind of did the same thing with my band name. Um, my band name is Band, uh, like B-A-N-N-E-D. Like oh, okay. Band from Facebook, but it's also just like, you know, band, like music. Um, yeah. So it's kind of got multiple little meanings, but I chose that because, like, I am. I don't know if you've ever been banned from something, but I have for silly reasons, maybe reasons I deserve. But like, uh, it, that's another like defend pop punk group joke. Like the okay. the big meme was to get banned from um the defend pop punk group, and I got banned from the defend pop punk group for like a really dumb reason. 
and um, somebody was jealous of me for doing this show, and oh. they knew that that's how I got most of my shows and most of the bands. That's how I found about. I think that's how I met you is on that group, okay. and like every uh, pretty much every single band I've ever had on this show, unless they're a rapper. Every pop punk band, whatever band I've had on this show, I got from that group. And they didn't yeah. like my show, so they got me banned from the group. Oh, that seems kind of uncharitable. Huh. Yeah. So, I, um, and I haven't been able to talk to any of the admins. They've all just been ignoring me. Yeah. So, like, I just, like, I, I, I'm out of the defense pop punk group. So that's part of the reason why I need my... Because band was such a meme in that group, I took I took their meme and named it my band. Interesting. I'll have to hit up the admins for you and put in a good word for you. Yeah, I'd really appreciate it, man. I seriously would. I uh, that, that group was like my biggest form of outreach for this show. It's been rough, I'll oh. be honest with you. Yeah, that's probably one of the biggest ones I can think of for our genre. Yeah, I actually had Jesse Cannon, the creator of the Fun Pop Punk group, on my show. You know who he oh. is, right? Jesse Cannon? I've heard the name. I haven't seen the episode, though. So he's a, a semi-famous producer. He's he's huge. He's done thousands of records. But he's a producer in New York. And he's worked with... Uh, he used to work with Blink-182 and Transit. No, not Blink-182. Um, Man Overboard. Man oh, Overboard yeah. and Transit. And he was there. He produced them and he was both their managers. And I uh, had him on the show to talk about his book and such and all his producing work and... Uh, we joke we <coughs> excuse me. We talked about the Defend Pop Punk group and how he started it, what came to start it, how it grew, and all that. He had like nothing but bad things to say about that group. Oh wow, huh. that group is a mess. It was hilarious. Now, before I forget, I will say I do like your shirt, and one of my favorite video games of all time is Ocarina of Time. For the Same. 64. Yeah, that I've never finished it or beat it, but I oh, do yeah. enjoy it. Okay, yeah, I love that game. So anyway, kudos to the shirt. I actually have it on my computer. I've been playing it. Like, yeah, I don't know if you've ever heard of the randomizers they make for Ocarina of Time. Uh, yeah. Uh -huh. I've been playing a randomizer with my friend, and uh, I'm terrible at that game, but I like it. It's like one of my favorite games to mess around with because I had it as a kid for the N64. Yeah. And then I found out you can get it on the computer and play it on the computer and such. So, But I actually have a, a Nintendo Switch. My dad got it for my whole family for Christmas. It's not mine. It's my family's. Uh, and I've been playing Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Okay. That's a fun game. If you like Zelda, I don't know if you play video games anymore, but I definitely recommend it. It's a fun Zelda game. It's very difficult. Yeah, I'm training my kids up on, like, the Mario games, keeping it basic. You know, the Nintendo version, Super Nintendo, and then the Wii and Wii U. So, definitely training up the kids on all the classics. How old are your kids, if you don't mind? Sorry. Let's see, my daughter's six, my son is three, and then my other daughter is one, and then we'll see how many more we can get. Cool, cool. Um... Oh yeah, back to Good Luck Ugly. We kind of got off topic there, but we were talking about the name, and you said it was uh, Mike's, uh, you know, uh, childhood or whatever that got the name yeah. from. So that's cool. Um, now, uh, now we don't know about Mike, but who are the members of the band that play uh, 
play, you know, what instruments do they play? You play drums, so what about everybody else? Yeah, I play drums, and then you've interviewed Mike Alvarez. He plays uh, guitar and sings. He writes all the songs. He does all the YouTube content. He's really talented, uh, graphic designer. So just oh, plays the drums. He plays a lot of instruments, um, so very talented. And then Chris Benner uh, plays bass, and, I mean, he's got over 30 years' experience. He's been in multiple bands. So what's unique about Good Luck Ugly and the members is – Chris Benner's the oldest. He started playing in like the 70s, early 80s. So he's got that whole kind of 80s experience. I kind of have the 90s experience, early 2000. And then Mike's kind of got, you know, the modern, the, the 2000. He, I mean, he grew up in the 90s, but he's more familiar with like the 2000, 2010 era. So we all come from different eras um, with a lot of experience. So it's kind of interesting to see the different ages and um, what we bring to the band. That's awesome. So you guys all kind of put your, your knowledge of different uh, things together and make it yeah. work. Right. You, um, so that's fantastic. And I've listened to the music. Uh, most recently I listened to the Christmas song. Uh, that's a later question, but we can jump into that now if you want to. So uh, the song is called Thank God, Merry Christmas. Uh, it was released, the latest signal, uh, around Christmas time, I believe, right before Christmas. Um, right. So how did you come up with the theme and behind that? That's an original song, isn't it? Yeah, um, every year uh, Sean Browning from Rottweiler Records does a Christmas compilation. And this year we kind of got a head start we we knew it was coming up hey guys do you want to write a christmas song so mike cranked one out and we released it early december with uh with sean and his record label and um basically the lyrics are pretty simple you know mike's talking about his kids and getting presents and you know having tamales and this and that so definitely some fun lyrics kind of a catchy chorus and then um because of the uh, positive reaction we got with it, we um, worked with one of uh, one of Chris Chris uh, Benner's contacts, who's a video producer, and ended up doing a full music video for it. Um, that's on YouTube. So yeah, just just search "Good Luck Ugly," uh, "Merry Christmas," and you'll see the music video on there. It's basically uh, kind of a behind the scenes theme with some kind of some of our more popular photos couple special effects some live footage so it's kind of a just an overall compilation of different things we've done over the years um with a uh you know a holiday sound cool um so we covered that question i'm just going to highlight it so i don't ask it again um now we'll go back to going in order uh what genre would you consider good luck ugly um i would say kind of a pop punk with some ska i mean there's some kind of traditional punk rock roots there but if i had to say some bands that we sound like probably like a an older blink 182 with some rancid maybe a little bit of real big fish less than jake maybe a little bit of operation ivy green day um so definitely kind of a 90s sound mostly pop punk with a little bit of ska oh, cool yeah, I definitely see the the ska part of it, especially with the, the "Tell the Saints You're Coming Home." Um, right. Now, with "Coming Home," "Tell the Saints," 
um, what is the meaning? So coming home, um, that's actually, so Mike obviously wrote the song. Um, he, he actually says it's one of our more serious songs. A lot of the other songs are about breakups and relationships, but coming home, um, <coughs> the theme is kind of being hopeful for the future. Um, he's kind of saying our time really isn't wasted here. Um, when we're waiting for something greater for ourselves, um, so again, it's just one of the more serious songs. It's definitely got the most ska elements to it. And I actually think that's kind of the style we're going for on um, this next album we're working on. Fantastic. Um, so is uh, Good Luck Ugly a Christian band as well as um, Makeshift 3? Um, let's see. So like, Makeshift 3 pretty blatant in regards to being Christian the the you know there is God there is Jesus in the lyrics the songs were pretty Christian revealing good luck ugly I think is a little more subtle so all three of us are Christians um, you know Mike says that he he wants our band to reach everybody and we do make uh, music that we want everyone to relate to and find hope in um, and we want everyone to connect with, but there are songs that do allude to the gospel. And basically we just want our lyrics to get people thinking. So it's a little more subtle, um, but we do play, um, some Christian venues, but I'd say probably 80, 90% of the shows we play are all secular. Okay. What, what's secular? Secular just means pretty much no religious affiliation. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Nice. All around band. Um, again, I went out of order, so I gotta figure out where I was. Okay, I found it. Now, Good Luck Ugly released an EP in 2018, and then a full length called uh, Side Hugs and Backstabs, which is the what is the meaning behind that album name? Yeah, so we released an EP in the summer of uh, 2018. This one's actually called the Mostly Regrettable EP. Um, definitely obviously some of the earlier stuff it kind of has a more old school punk rock sound to it um and the uh side hugs and backstabs album um this is a full length we did um and basically mike's mike obviously came up with the name and he kind of says that you know side hugs you know when you give people the side hugs that's basically the friend zone and backstabs pretty self-explanatory backstabs and it's kind of about being the person who doesn't get the girl um you know basically bring on the loser so kind of a you know he kind of likes to have a little bit of fun with his titles so yeah yeah i like that i do yeah. the same thing with my titles now did um, you notice kind of the nintendo theme there i did all... yeah what's that yeah. Uh, nintendo super nintendo uh, this is just the like kind of the NES box art. You just kind of, you know, did the Nintendo theme, uh, punk rock your parents love. So definitely a fun kind of theme throughout the album. We yeah. All love Nintendo, and uh, so hopefully we can kind of keep that theme going with the next one. For real. Um, now that I'm back in order, still somehow out of order, but yeah, that's awesome. Um, 
Now, have you guys played any big shows or good venues? Now, I know you've, I think, I'm pretty sure I know you've been to uh, Whiskey or Go-Go, right? Yeah, actually, um, let's see, this was in 2018. We played with the Ataris um, at the uh, Whiskey A Go-Go in Hollywood. Um, that venue is actually probably one of the more historical venues out here in California. You know, it was kind of the home base, home venue for... Uh, you know, like Motley Crue, Red Hot Chili Peppers, a lot of the, you know, 80s glam rock bands. I mean, it's right in the center of the Sunset Strip in Hollywood. So playing there was pretty cool. Um, and then just kind of doing a full tour of the venue, all the different dressing rooms. And um, so definitely a fun experience. Um, another big show we played, uh, we played at the House of Blues here locally in Anaheim. Um we played actually in their foundation room and then um after we played uh sublime played in on their main stage so that was a pretty big show the 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 venue was pretty packed um who else did we we played with gutter mouth um they, they were a pretty big punk band from the 90s we played with them at the uh, world famous doll hut which is also in anaheim um if you go on YouTube and type in Doll Hut Anaheim, it, it was like the place to play for up and coming bands that back back in the day, like Social Distortion and Bad Religion and stuff. So and the, the building itself is almost 100 years old. So definitely a historic venue. Um, we played with a band called Agent Orange, who is probably one of the last remaining punk bands from the 70s that are still active and they're actually really big out here in Southern California. Um, so we played at them at a place called the Tiki bar, which is, they host the uh, orange County music awards. Um, so yeah, we've been fortunate enough to play some big shows at some good venues. Um, we've played with some of our, um, friends, like our friends from the band main sale, um, heart like war. Um, so, yeah, definitely, definitely played a lot of good shows and uh, hopefully looking to play some uh, good ones in the future. Okay, cool. Um, <clears throat> that's awesome that you played the, I think it's cool that you played the Whiskey at Go-Go and the, uh, why can't I think right now, the um, Hard Rock Cafe, right? Oh, the uh, House of Blues. House of Blues, yeah. 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 Sorry, I blanked for a second. Um but yeah, I remember you posting the Whiskey A Go Go one on Facebook. I remember seeing that. That was that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, definitely a fun show. Alrighty, cool. Um, who does the photos and videos for? Uh, I think you mentioned that uh, Mike does some of them, right? Yeah, so Mike um, does a lot of the graphic design. He does the art layout for the albums and stuff. But we've actually been working with a guy named Steve Vasquez from SNL Vasquez Photography. Um, his background includes shooting photos from the Vans Warp Tour. Um, he's shot like Katy Perry, MXPX, um, who else? Uh, Neck Deep, Pierce the Veil, um, Attila. So he's been super helpful coming to our shows, coming to our you know sessions in the studio, taking photos. I mean, a lot of the photos we post are from him. So um, kind of a big shout out to him. And then um, as far as videos, we've been working with Jet Wilson from Blast TV. He's also in the band CPR. 
and he's been super helpful doing, you know, interviews after shows, posting stuff on YouTube. Um, so his background, he, he's worked with like Bad Brains um, and uh, JFA, which is Jody Foster's Army. So he's actually been a huge help, and it's always fun playing shows with his band. So, yeah, those two guys have been super helpful, and we, we appreciate their work. Cool. Awesome. Um, yeah, that pretty much finishes up everything about Good Luck Ugly and makes you a three, unless you have something else you'd like to add. Um, no, I, all I can say is, um, you know, the music's available out there. Um, we, we appreciate all the positive feedback we've been getting. Obviously, if you want to, uh, see what we have, I do have like, you know, when you order stuff, we have different stickers, new school records, you know, we got different stickers here, obviously, um, that we throw in with all our orders. So just go on Google, go on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, and just search uh, Makeshift 3 or Good Luck Ugly. And, um, you know, we appreciate everyone's support. All right, awesome. Um, yeah, we're, we're about 56 minutes in, and I'm not rushing this or anything. I just want to make sure you don't have to go anywhere because I still got plenty of questions to ask you. Um, yeah, so if you still got time, I've still got time. Sure, go for it. All right, cool. This will be a longer one, which I enjoy. I like the longer ones. Uh, but this is uh, um, there'll be an. I'll let you uh, shout out those uh, websites and such. Anything you want at the end of the video. Again, I just wanted you to okay. get it out now, just in case. You know, I don't want. I'm. You know, there's some people that want to listen to a real long video. So, well, uh, at any time, just feel free to shout those out, and uh, it'll be in the description of the video as well too. So, uh, but yeah. Uh, also, anybody, uh, if you like what you've seen so far, why don't you go ahead and subscribe to Promises Cap Collective or uh, like us on Facebook. Uh, you can go like Good Luck Ugly, Makeshift 3 on Facebook, and I believe they're on YouTube as well, but uh, my, Eric can confirm that. So uh, We're going to move on to uh, some fun stuff. Like uh, Eric, do you believe in ghosts? Huh. Um, I guess, it, let's see. I, would, I mean, <laughs> let's look at the definition. So... I know the word ghost um, comes from an old English word related to the, you know, the German word Geist. I don't know if you remember the word poltergeist. Remember that mm -hmm. movie from the 80s? Yeah. Um, and basically, it just means spirit. So um, from a Christian standpoint, we definitely believe in spirits, you know, uh, God, angels, and souls of the deceased. Um, there's also the Holy Ghost, right? So, you know the Father is the Son, the Holy Ghost. So there's the Holy Ghost, which is the third person of the Trinity. So to answer your question, I would say, yes, I believe in ghosts because they're spirits. So yes. Cool. Um, do you have any, like, ghost stories? Like anything, maybe some experiences or something like that? Uh, or maybe just a story you've heard? Um, well, let's see. When it comes to spirits, so... There's actually an exorcist that I listened to. His name is Father Chad Ripperger, R-I-P-P-E-R-G-E-R. -E -E he's got a ton of good stuff on YouTube where he deals with spirits firsthand. I mean, he's an exorcist. And so his stories kind of blow me away. And I would say, yeah, if, if you're interested in hearing real life stuff with spirits and demons, Check out Father Chad Ripperger on YouTube. 
and you'll be blown away. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to check him out. Maybe I'll have him on the show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It'd be an interesting episode. Um, cool. All right. Well, uh, cool. Interesting. Um, what did you, uh, what did you want to be when you were 10 years old? Oh man, you're taking me back to the eighties here. Uh, let's see. When I was 10 years old, all I can remember was I love to ride my BMX bike. I love to snow ski, which eventually led to snowboarding. So man, I would say I would probably wanted to be like a pro BMX rider. I mean, that rad BMX movie with crew Jones, that was super fun. And I love snowboarding. Um, and what's funny is I actually kind of made a, not a serious attempt, but next time you're on YouTube, type in, um, Eric Matson snowboard and you'll see like a snowboard video I did. And then Eric Matson BMX. And it was my, uh, attempt to become you know kind of the pro snowboard pro bmx type that's awesome out but i was definitely motivated so yeah cool um what's the most hilarious childhood memory you can think of oh man um let me think here i mean i think as a child i every time i would sit down and eat everyone would just be kind of astonished as to how much I ate. And it almost was like this running joke, like, oh, here's Eric. Oh, he has a tapeworm. Or, okay, there he goes. He's going for fourth. So it that was kind of the, the funny thing growing up was how much I ate. I don't know if it was because I was super active or whatever, but it was always the joke when it came to mealtime. Okay. Now, Interesting. Uh, do you have any like weird situations you did as a child? Like any weird things you did as a child? You remember? Uh, weird things? Uh, no. You know what? I was kind of straightforward. I was kind of a good student. I I really cared. You know, to make my parents proud. So I was pretty just straightforward. Tried to follow the rules. Um, yeah, definitely not too weird. Pretty plain and simple really into sports um and tried to get good grades so yeah definitely nothing really out of the ordinary okay cool um i was hoping we'd get something interesting out of that but it's okay <laughs> <laughs> um cool all right so we'll move on to the uh the the next one um if you could choose only one song to play every time you walk into a room for the rest of your life what would it be Oh, uh, this is like any song. It could be one of your band songs, or it could be just yeah. any band song, any anybody's. Yeah. So I mean, shoot, I love all. I, you know, I like Duran Duran. I like Def Leppard. I like punk rock, metal. So I'm. It would probably have to be something that kind of incorporates a little bit of everything I like. So um, I'm actually a huge Project '86 fan. They're. Uh, uh, like a Christian hard rock band kind of from the nineties, you know, up until this day from orange County here, they have a song on their first album called spill me. Um, and I think the reason I'd probably pick that one is because it has some slow element elements to it. It's got some really hard elements to it. It's actually something that I could play along with on drums. If I wanted to, I could work out in the gym to it. Um, and then the singer, Andrew Schwab, 
I mean, he delivers a pretty amazing vocal performance on that whole album. So I'm going to have to go with Spill Me by Project 86. Cool. Uh, how's it go? Sing it. Oh, man. You, I'm remember, kind of like Linus from the Peanuts gang. You know, musicians don't dance. Sorry, uh, drummers don't sing. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was joking around with you. But, uh, um, yeah. All right. Cool. Um, so, next little section. I, uh, I format these in five question segments. Okay. Um, what do you think about... Uh, do you have a car, right? Yes. Uh, what do you think about when you're alone in your car? Um, when I'm in my car, I th- I'm pretty much either listening to music or I'm listening to a podcast. So when I'm listening to music, I'm as a drummer, I think I'm always kind of defaulting to what is the drum beat? Can I play it? And I try to play along. I'm thinking it in my mind, um, aside from enjoying the, the music itself. Um, but if I'm listening to a podcast, I'm thinking, you know, what can I learn from this and how can I apply it to my life? So between music and podcasts, I'm basically just, you know, either enjoying it from an entertainment perspective, uh, regarding the music, or I'm trying to learn something and think, okay, how can I relate to this and how can I apply this to myself in real life? cool okay so now i definitely want you to listen to like at least one two of my songs that i wrote because like every time i write a song i always try to make it possible to like play especially for me because i can't play music except for bass guitar so i always try to pick i was trying to make bass like you know so i knew i could play it but like i'm not i don't know how to play drums i just know how to write drums kind of So, like, I'm always, like, curious if, like, what I'm writing is even, like, possible to play. So, like, I was, like, I used to, like, put multiple things, and I didn't, like, I wasn't thinking, like, wait, that's literally impossible, because you only have two hands and a foot, two feet. So, like, you can only hit, like, one, uh, you know, one cymbal and one drum and then one bass at a time. And I used to, like, put more than that, and I, and then it hit me one day, I was like, wow, you can't do that, you idiot, like, um, you you gotta like think about this so now i only use uh like i'll only do like a snare once and a drum kick or you know i i i understand that drummers can't you know have four arms so like um i think i've become better at writing drums but i still ain't a drummer so like i'd love to uh know what your opinion on my uh drum writing yeah send your music over i'd love to check it out and tell you my thoughts yeah i'll send you the band camp link after the show um okay. yeah it's i think i i like it i think it's pretty good um but anyways uh next uh, question what uh what kind of bands do you listen to you kind of mentioned a, a few already but are there some that you wanted to like mention more of um yeah actually lately you know there's a band called as i lay dying they from san diego they came out in kind of the early 2000s um they, their metal was so catchy for me. Like every song had a hook to it, which was kind of rare for a metal band. So, and I've actually been listening to them lately. They released a new album. I think it was last, yeah, last year. Um, so I would say as they lay dying, um, I've always listened to thrice, like their earlier stuff, like the illusion of safety artist in the ambulance. Um, 
Uh, obviously, Project 86. I love their first album. And um, on the punk side, uh, I, I really like Slick Shoes. I like all their albums. Um, obviously, Dogwood, all their albums. Um, let's see, some other ones. August Burns Red. So Matt, the drummer of that band, I mean, I don't know if I've seen a better drummer than him. I can't even understand sometimes what he's doing on his YouTube videos. So August Burns Red is pretty incredible. Uh, P.O.D., I like the simplicity of their music. It doesn't have the double bass pedal. Um, really fun to play to. And then probably, I'd say lastly, Under Oath. So their album, Define the Great Line, and they're only chasing safety. I, Define the Great Line is probably one of my top five albums. I mean, just incredible drumming, incredible energy. Um, so I definitely like things that have a lot of energy, kind of that metal, aggressive, and just fun to see live. So yeah, I'd say those bands. Cool. I've only heard like a little bit of Under Oath. That's about like out of all you named. I heard like uh, one or two songs of Fruitly Chasing Safety. Um, they're all right. Yeah, yeah, they're they're good. Um, just a lot of energy. Oh, you're breaking up a little bit. Stand by. All right, after a little uh, little technical difficulty, we're back. Uh, one hour, 23 minutes, 25 seconds. So, if you could trade places with any other person for a week, famous or not, living or dead, real or fictional, who would it be? straight and just have a blast and kind of see the perspective from that angle um on stage and watch uh, andrew schaub do his thing i lost a little bit of your audio there because i forgot to check it it changed um so if you could just sum up what you said really quickly sorry i just got the last bit of what you just said i noticed it had uh it been lost oh yeah, I was saying I'd go back to like 98, 99, and I'd swap places with Alex Albert, who's the drummer for uh, Project 86 at the time. And that way I'd be able to have fun playing um, their debut album live on stage um, uh, for a week straight and just enjoy that experience. Okay, excellent. Sounds fun. Um, wow. I hate it when I lose my internet, but that sounds really good. We we fixed it. It's working. Um, hilarious childhood memory. If you trade places, how do you uh how do you feel about cars becoming fully autonomous and having no steering wheel, brakes, or accelerators in the future? Um, I mean, it's hard to imagine. It it sounds like. Uh... Obviously, it sounds like you're kind of taking the human element out of it. I just don't know if I trust that. Um, yeah, it sounds a little AI to me. It does. I don't know. Definitely feel uncomfortable. 
Yeah, me too. Um, I think it's really cool, but at the same time, on on your side with it, it's like as soon as I lose control of something, I kind of you lose a, a feeling of like safety, I guess. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you can understand being on a ride at Disneyland that has a specific track with a specific function, but there's no free will involved. So, I mean, man, the AI would just have to be so intelligent. Yeah, it's just hard to imagine. I mean, sounds possible, but I definitely don't feel comfortable. Yeah. I mean, we're not at that level of, like, not having accelerators, brakes, or anything like that yet. But, um, like, definitely, we definitely do have self-driving cars, like, today. Not, like, huge, but they're, like, the Tesla. Like, it's self-driving now. Yeah. There's, like, self-driving Uber cars and Google cars and stuff. Um, that's, like, we're getting there. It's crazy. Cool. Um, what were you like in high school, and what were some of your hobbies? Um, let's see, in high school, I mean, I was pretty kind of studious. I mean, I got good grades. I think my GPA was, like, 3.7. So mostly A's and some B's. Um, I was pretty active in sports. So like in the fall, I'd run cross country on the team. And then in spring I was on the tennis team, you know, all four years. Um, I think, uh, I, I was, like I mentioned before, I was really involved in, you know, my, my BMX bike and, and snow skiing, snowboarding. So I would say I was kind of studious, kind of straightforward um, obviously drumming at the time in the band. So between drumming, sports, and uh, snowboarding and my BMX bike, I would say those were kind of the highlights of high school. Neat. Cool. Yeah, I was always in the radio station when I was in high school. My high school had a, a radio station, and I was on there, and I was very interested in that. And uh, then I slowly became into ha- uh, ham radio and uh, all sorts of different internet radio and stuff. So that's what oh, I cool. do. Then I, nice. you know, then yeah, then I got into doing talk shows, and here we are now. But right, yeah. So I definitely uh, relate on the hobby side of things. So that's cool. Um, how long did you say you did cross country? Um, I actually started competitively in sixth grade. So from sixth until twelfth grade. Yeah. Wow, that must have been rough. I couldn't imagine. Like, oh, it's brutal. I, I mean, I've played all sorts of different sports, but I think cross-country running is probably the hardest sport because it is completely boring. And obviously, you, you can't do a play and then stop. Um, and it's just full body exertion, 100%. So, yeah, definitely a hard kind of sport, especially in the mind, too. What's like going through your mind when you're like just running full force like that? I... I mean, I actually still run to this day. I kind of jog lightly um, on my days off. And nowadays I listen to music. Looking back then, I mean, there there was no iPod. There were no, you know, people weren't, you didn't have the little earbuds back in the 90s. So um, you basically just had to endure the pain and think about, you know, what you were going to eat or drink after the race was over. So you just had to think ahead and, and try to, you know, mask the pain that was taking place for, you know, your typical 18 to 19 minute race. I couldn't. That's not me. <laughs> you were a better man than me, my friend. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. Good for you. You got the willpower to do it. Um, That's great. 
Um, alrighty. Uh, what are your what are your goals in the next few years? Oh, um, I would say I we're working on a third album. So good luck, ugly. I'd love to release you know an album within this next year. Um, I would love to get on some big festivals with some big bands. Uh, maybe do some weekend tours or maybe like a week tour, bring the families and, you know, during the summer when everyone's off and travel a little bit. Um, I think another thing too, is I want to build some more relationships with different people in the music industry, you know, such as yourself, podcasters, people doing interviews, um, booking agents, venue owners, and basically just build relationships with other bands that are similar to us with similar goals. So, um, yeah, if I could accomplish those things in the next few years, I'd be pretty happy. Yeah, well, you're definitely always welcome back on this show. Like I said, I just spent, like, all day yesterday creating two more, uh, two new access, uh, what am I going to say? Two new uh, questions lists for, like, returning guests. So I got questions lists, I got questions for returning guests up to three times now oh for sure yeah yeah um yeah so yeah i'm asking you a lot of the same questions i ask mike just because you're a different person with different answers mostly so but you know if you could come on potentially uh, two more times now just because i have the i have the questions to ask okay Uh, but uh so yeah always welcome back on here um it's been pretty fun so far. We're uh, an hour seventeen minutes into the recording. Wow. Hour thirty one okay. of the live stream. Okay. Yeah, we lost a good fifteen minutes just down uh, in the recording just because it broke like that. <laughs> right. Um, but like we didn't lose anything. It just had to pause it. But so that's good. Um, well, using a scale of one to ten, rate yourself on how weird you are. Uh, one being normal and uh, ten being weird. Oh man, um, I mean, I, I think everyone's got a little bit of weirdness to them. Uh, like I said before, I'm pretty straightforward, tr- pretty uh, matter of fact. Um, I do, you know, have a humorous side. I like to have fun, like to joke a little bit. But if I had to rate myself, it'd probably be pretty low. I mean, I'd probably give myself shoot like a one or a two. Um, you know, I'm sure other people would differ, but, uh, yeah, I'm going to stick with that and, uh, maybe we'll see some, some comments that differ on that one. Cool. Alrighty. Cool. Yeah. I'm a nine to 10 myself. Oh, okay. pretty weird guy. Um, I don't know. I can be normal if I want to, you know, act whatever I got to do. I can, I don't know. I can like, um, kind of adjust my, uh my personality to who I'm talking with kind of, kind of thing. Um, yeah, it definitely depends on who you're interacting with. So, you know, I can obviously let loose a little bit more with my relatives or my wife or my kids, but so yeah, it's definitely, uh, definitely based on the circumstances, but for the most part, I keep it pretty, pretty calm. Nothing, nothing out of the ordinary. Yeah. Cool. Um, so I keep losing my place. I'm like not doing well on Adderall. But uh, do you have any strange or crazy experiences while performing, like, from either band? Oh, man. Um, I remember this one time we were on tour in Arizona, and we had this massive uh, backdrop banner that said Makeshift 3 um, 
across the top and it was it was kind of a tight venue tight stage and i remember it was maybe like 10 or 12 inches behind me so i remember in the middle of a song all of a sudden i felt the whole banner i mean this thing was maybe 10 feet tall come on top of me and it was like i had a split decision either a do i just stop playing or do or do i keep playing I decided to keep playing and just see what happened. And I remember either, I know we didn't stop playing the song, but other people either in the crowd or like the stagehands or whatever, slowly brought it back up. And so there was literally like a five or 10 second period where I was playing underneath a banner on stage, like just kind of freaking out a little bit. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> So, like, you had a big old tent over you, like, this thing's leaning on your head and stuff, and you're just whacking away at the drums? Yeah. Like, that's wild. (laughs) You just couldn't see anything? Like, You know, it's one of those things where you're back in the 90s, not everyone has their cell phone, you know, videoing the band, so, you know, we didn't get any footage of it, but I would have loved to have seen that or or had a copy of that and seen that play out. That's crazy. Cool. (laughs) That's definitely a good one. Um, what's the most spontaneous thing you've ever done? Oh, man. Uh, let's see. I, I'm kind of a... I definitely like the water. I like swimming pools. I like beaches. I would say whenever we're in that sort of environment, I'm probably the first one to just take off my shirt and jump in the water before everyone else else would you know regardless of the temperature of the water if it's cold you know i remember going up and out here in california we have the uh, sierra nevada mountains and um when the snow melts it fills a lot of the pockets of the mountainside with basically ice cold water and i remember one time it was super hot and everyone's kind of contemplating should we jump in you know the water's probably 40 degrees 40 something degrees and i just did it without even hesitation and I remember jumping in that cold water and it's almost like your body freezes like it's numb but um, I'd probably say that okay cool yeah that's wild um yeah no that's another thing I wouldn't do <laughs> I tried like doing the whole cold shower thing one time like you ever uh, heard of that like people out there that just like don't even like taking hot showers and they take cold showers just to, like to yeah. to like that meant get over that mental brace of just like i hate this i hate this and yeah. uh i tried uh, like i tried doing it the way somebody recommended it to me which is just like turn the cold water on and jump right in i immediately yeah. froze up and i started like hyperventilating right. <laughs> i had yeah. to jump out it was bad yeah it's like your body goes numb almost like you're being electrocuted or something and oh i went into shock it was bad yeah right um I was like, no, nah, I'm never trying this again. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, nah, it was it was not fun. I don't know how people do it. Um, okay. How does being in two bands affect your personal life? Um, I think uh, you know my kids are still pretty young, um, so they go to bed you know pretty early, and luckily the majority of shows are after their bedtime so i'm still able to kind of put them to bed go play a show and come back and not really miss any family time there are shows on the earlier side and if that's the case 
the whole family will come. I'll give them those like noise reduction headphones that they can wear and they'll kind of sit in the back. And, and so my kids have actually been to a lot of shows um, on the earlier side. So I try to incorporate my family with the band life. Um, you know, if we're recording, I'll bring them along. If we're rehearsing in a studio, I'll bring them along. So um, my oldest daughter actually became interested in playing the guitar because of seeing Mike and Chris on stage and in the studio. So um, it's kind of nice to see them be influenced by something I'm doing. That's awesome. Like you're kind of giving your family good, uh, good, um, what do you call it? Uh, uh, habits. Good role, good, yeah. Good role yeah. model. Good habits and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, it's adorable. So, so you get a, a good personal life mixing two bands. That's really cool. You get to incorporate your family and such, and it's awesome. So, yeah. um, what is your favorite show you've ever played? You kind of mentioned, I kind of asked you that already, but was there one that like you had uh, over others? Um, uh, man. Let's see. I'm trying to think back over 25 years of playing. Um, there was a show. I want to say it was in 1998 with Project 86. That was probably the first big show we had where there was at least a thousand kids. And I remember being on stage being so super nervous, like all of a sudden, you know, up until then, it was smaller shows, smaller venues with smaller bands. But this was the first time where it was a big band with a big draw and i just remember being super nervous you know as a drummer one thing i'm thinking about is i do not want to drop a stick right mm. if, if the drummer starts playing everyone like hears that and picks up on that um there was a show we played with dogwood at um this this actually it was called quakes stadium out here in uh, um, rancho cucamonga and I want to say there was at least 5,000 people. It was during an active ride shop skate demo. Um, so again, one of those things where it kind of catches you off guard how all of a sudden you almost have to like, you know, be a professional and not mess up, do your job. Um, and then l there was another one, I think it, it was called um, uh, Bear Creek Community Church up in Merced. I think it was maybe oh one or so. And I remember there were a lot of kids and it was the one show I remember where in between songs, the kids were so loud and so pumped up and like just so amped that we were there. It just caught me off guard. Like, so I'd say between those three shows, those, those three shows at the time kind of really caught me off guard in a good way and really kind of reminded me, Hey, this is, this could be legit, you know? And I, and I can only imagine what the, you know, the big bands, you know, all the, the mainstream bands, how they are on stage with the tens of thousands of people. So definitely kind of a rush, um, and definitely very memorable. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I bet like playing in front of all those people, it must be it must have been rough the first time. But like, how did it it got, it got better? Like, kind of as the show went went on, kind of thing. Yeah, I think it, it's like anything. If you're if you're confident in what you're doing, um, it's kind of fun to reveal. Hey, we've been rehearsing for a long time, or I know these songs. You know, like the back of my hand. So it becomes fun to play. 
But if it's a new song that you're a little cautious about, it can be pretty, you know, nerve wracking to make sure you get through it with, you know, all these eyes staring at you, make, you know, wondering if you're going to mess up or so. Yeah, definitely kind of uh, both sides of the spectrum. Cool. Yeah, I used to DJ like weddings and stuff, and like as the night would go on, I'd get less and less nervous. But like, you know, I'd start out like a wreck. Like, oh, is this gonna go good? Like, oh, we gotta play their first song. And as we get through like the ceremony and whatever, and like, you know, it's more like the reception kind of thing was happening. Like, I'd be fine. And my buddy who I DJed with would get actually more nervous as the night would go on. So we'd like be a, there'd be a point where we were just both fine with the night, and then uh. We'd go our different ways, and I'd be, like, just calm and relaxed, and he'd be, like, go freaking out, like, what's going on? Um, but, I don't know. Yeah, so, I don't know, that's my little story. Um, what are your, uh, what are some of your favorite songs in general? Um. Oh, yeah, I would, I would say any song by kind of the bands I listed, you know, the, the Christian hard rock kind of metal bands, um, along with some of the Christian punk. Uh, so, yeah, Under Oath, As They Lay Dying, Project 86, Slick Shoes, Dogwood, the earlier MXPX, uh, POD. Um, so, yeah, any of those, I, I you know, I can pop into this day, you know, early thrice and, and just still enjoy it. Okay, cool. Yeah, I know we kind of went over that one already. And just like I seen it and I read it, and I was like, "Wait, <laughs> <laughs> um, what's the funniest thing that happened to you recently?" Oh man, um, let's see. I I actually did a podcast interview a couple weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago. Um, a guy, um, uh, this guy Daniel Terry from Discography Discussion. Uh, I think I think our interview is up on uh, discussmetal.com. Anyway, one of his questions or one of his questions to me was, "Did you know? You know, you are actually quite popular in the uh, Tooth and Nail Records, the labeled podcast, the Solid State Records Facebook groups." And I was totally kind of caught off guard a little bit. I guess there's a lot of kind of discussion about me and my bands and among other things. But um, I just thought that was kind of funny to hear that because, you know, it kind of makes me curious, kind of like you with your defend pop punk uh, background. Yeah. Um, um, and I'm actually not part of those groups, but I guess there's kind of an underground buzz or whatever going on. And I just thought it was kind of funny. And, you know, I'm kind of hoping to, kind of see what uh, what's going on in those groups about me and my bands, you know? Yeah, I mean, uh, like, whether it's good or bad, you know, it's always good to have people talking about you in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, so... Yeah, I'd love to have that happen uh, with uh, me and my show, but unfortunately, there's no such audience. <laughs> uh, uh, but eventually, it'll, I'm, I'm working on things in the background, so, like, you know, eventually I'll get somebody, but... I just got to keep on doing the show. I think the biggest thing to get an audience is like doing it, like just putting things out constantly, whether you're in a band or whatever, just like having uh, some kind of schedule where like, even if it's like once a year, you put on an album, just doing something consistently. So I try to yeah. do at least one show a week. 
Yeah, do yeah, do something with a definite kind of structure and then reach out to bands that, you know, have a good following on social media. That way they share um, the interview on their social media and you're you just get a lot of exposure that way. So, um, yeah, find people that have a lot of followers and just make sure that they share the interview like I'm going to share this interview and hopefully, um, you know, we'll each get mutual exposure and help each other out. That'd be wonderful, dude. If you if you just even shared a little bit, I'd appreciate that so much. Um, oh yeah. Like I said, you're always welcome on the show. So help out in any way I can as well. Um. So, I mean, we're pretty much at the end of it. It's uh, it's been like uh, I'm. I just asked you my last question, and uh, it's been an hour thirty two minutes. So like this is one a little longer. I think this is like my third maybe fourth longest interview i think it's a third um my longest is two hours and like two minutes with uh this dude from a record label called shirley road records and then my second longest is i think one hour and 40 minutes with gold steps and then i think this is the third longest nice okay um might even be the second longest i think gold steps is right around the same time so um yeah this has been really fun man um i definitely want to thank you for coming on the show do you have any uh, anything else you know you'd like to uh no hold on so again can you say like where listeners and stuff can find uh makeshift three and gold uh good look ugly online like websites wherever you got them yeah i would say just do a search makeshift three good luck ugly both on google youtube we're on you know all the big uh streaming platforms spotify um itunes um Bandcamp, obviously instagram facebook so and then feel free to hit me up personally you know instagram facebook uh eric matson um and uh i'd be happy to chat nice all right is there is there anything else you'd like to plug or shout out um yeah no just like us on facebook um and um yeah subscribe to our youtube channel and all our concert dates are at goodluckugly.com and hopefully we'll see you guys at a show come talk to us sweet everybody can check them out like on youtube subscribe on youtube uh, you want to subscribe to, uh, if you like the show you watched here today, you can subscribe to Parmas' Cat Collective on YouTube and uh, like us on Facebook. Um, yeah. Uh, Eric, is there anything you want to ask me before we go? Oh, man. Um, let's see. I would ask, what is the most memorable experience you've had in you know your interviewing life? Did you have anything that was most interesting story that our listeners would find most entertaining um i've had some, I've, I've definitely had some weird like odd things happen in the show really interesting things uh a couple things i won't mention just because you wanted to keep this particularly one pg but right. um just certain stories that i won't mention and your kids are gonna watch it but uh Besides those, it's hard to think of, like, what else, because those ones really blew me out of the water. It's like, wow, you did that? Um, you okay, get, just guess telling me stories. Let's keep it simple. What's your favorite video game? Um, Right now, it's probably going to be Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, just because that's the only one I'm playing or have okay. played in years. Okay. Um, 
If I can think, I don't know. I really like Star Fox sixty four. That's a good one. Oh yeah, the classic. Yeah. Um, I have that one on the computer. I play that sometimes. I like Pokemon, Pokemon Gold. Um, I've been playing Pokemon Crystal a little bit. Um, I just, uh, I like GTA Five. That's a good one. Okay. But that's that's pretty much it. I don't like play too many video games anymore. Yeah. But uh, as far as what I'm doing right now, like I have the Switch right here. I've been messing around with that a little bit. But that's pretty much it. It's the only thing I've been playing lately is uh, Breath of the Wild. Nice. Okay. Cool. All right, Eric. Well, like I said, I want to thank you for coming on the show. It's been a very good time. I've had uh, it's been a very enjoyable experience you have on the show and uh, learning about all your uh, your your career, music, and all the bands you're in and such. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate you having me on the show. Um, a lot of fun. Hopefully, listeners uh, get some entertainment value out of it. And yeah, the questions were great. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, alright everybody, so this is gonna be it. Like, subscribe to, uh, Makeshift 3. Um, good luck ugly, promises kept collective, all that stuff. Do it up, and, uh, have a good night. This is the Hey How's It Going show.